sins away. Oh, say much I'm glad. From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Dr. Shelton Smith, and this is Making a Difference. We're glad to welcome you today, delighted to have you along with us. And of course, this being Friday, we're looking straight into the weekend. And let me encourage you, don't let Sunday go by without finding your way to a good, solid, Bible-believing church. Get in there, take your family, and be in on whatever that church has going on. That will be a help and a blessing to your family. I'm telling you, church can make a big difference in your life. And I encourage you, make it your business every single week. Go to church on Sunday. And this weekend is the time to start if you're not making it a habit already. Now, today we're going to be looking again at a passage that has the word beware in it. I've looked at those all week long. First of all, we looked at passages that said we were to beware of false prophets. Then we looked in Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus said, beware of men. And then thirdly, beware of the leaven. And then yesterday, we looked at a trio of bewares from Philippians chapter 3 that said we were to beware of dogs, evil workers, and the concision. And we looked at the terms and what those mean. Now today, we're going to look at one in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 15. But before we do, I have one other that I want to just reference because after not considering it in this series, I thought, sure as the world, somebody's going to think that I dodged that one, and I didn't dodge it at all. I think we've dealt with most of what it says. But let me read Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, there's the word, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Somebody may look at that and say, well, you didn't deal with that because it doesn't fit the narrative that you like to present of eternal security. Well, dear friends, that's just not the way I do business. The fact is, I think all of the Word of God is germane to exactly what we need to say, what we need to hear, and I have no intention whatsoever to dodge any passage that might bear some weight in this discussion that we're having at the time. Now, this word here, and we look just at that last phrase because it talks about falling from your own steadfastness. Some people will look at that and they'll say, see there, you can lose your salvation. But I've read that and read it and I read it again here. And I'm telling you, that is not what the verse says. What it says is you can fall from your steadfastness. Now, pick up a dictionary if you'd like. Steadfastness, being steadfast, has to do with being constant, being loyal, being faithful, being resolute, being staunch, setting an unwavering course. All of these things, I pull these right out of a modern dictionary, and uh, it's used that way in the Bible to reference being steady, or as 1 Corinthians 15, 58 ties it together with the word immovable. And so what we're looking at here is if you follow the error of the wicked, and God's people can be trapped, they can be ensnared, they can be misled, they can be fed misinformation, and consequently wind up following the error of the wicked, 
And when they do, what's it going to mean? It's going to mean they fall from their own steadfastness. It means they're not going to be faithful. Their loyalty will be questioned. They are going to be off-center. And it does not mean that they're any less the children of God. It just means they're misbehaving. It means that they're off-course and not following what they need to follow. So I wanted to get that cleared up so that we don't have any misunderstanding about that. Now today, the main passage that I want to give in this last of the series on beware is taken from Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, where Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Now, we need to look carefully at this passage. We first learn about covetousness in Exodus chapter 20. In that passage, the Lord gave us a command, number 10 of the Ten Commandments, that says, Thou shalt not covet. Now, that Hebrew word there, the word covet, means to lust or to yearn after something, uh, seeking to possess it, maybe even something that somebody else has. Because if you read verse 17 there in Exodus 20, it says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, or his wife, his manservant, his animals, or anything that is thy neighbor's. That is, you should not have an inordinate desire for things that somebody else owns. This is a good statement on private property and private enterprise. Jesus said here in this passage that we were to beware and not become a covetous person. Now, his foundational principle in this is stated in the last part of the verse when he says a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. That simply means the fact that you're rich does not constitute a good life. The fact that you have many possessions does not mean that you're doing things the way it needs to be done. One of the poets, a man named Emerson, that some of you will recall from American literature, uh, had a statement in one of his pieces in which he said, "'Things are in the saddle and ride mankind.'" Now, that's often the case here in America, where we have the opportunity to grow and develop things, where we can get in a business and make money, create wealth. If we're not careful, we get so lustful for the things. We get so desiring of just making more and more and more and not using that in the kind of a way that we should use it. So the Bible makes very clear here that our getting and our receiving of things, we ought to be careful about how we go about that. Jesus simply says life is not about things. But let's look at all of this very carefully because the Bible has a good bit to say in this regard. Things, for example, are not inherently bad. There's a passage in the Bible where the Lord tells us that it says pointedly, the world is yours. Well, what are we talking about? Well, the earth, well, that's a thing. Uh, The trees, those are things. We think about all of the other possessions that we might have. Those are things. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23, the apostle Paul said, all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. He went on to say, all things are lawful, but all things do not edify. So you and I need to see here carefully that even though we are entitled to certain things, they're not inherently bad. I mean, the fact that you eat a bite of food, that's a thing. It's not inherently bad. But at the same time, you can make anything out to be bad if you don't handle it correctly. In fact, I'm uh, very, very thankful that there's a verse in the Bible in Philippians chapter 4 
that talks about things, and repeatedly so, when it says, verse 8, says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So that word thing is used repeatedly in that verse, but it tells us that we are to take the things that we have opportunity to acquire, and we are to employ them in a way that is honest, that is true, that is just, that is lovely and of good report. I mean, that's just a way of saying Let those things be handled correctly and properly and don't misuse the things. Things are not inherently bad. You can have things and be a good Christian. Now, in fact, let me just say here, I know some people who have a great deal of wealth. Um, Some of them I don't know well. Uh, There are some that I know that um, have a great deal of things, and uh, they're just as solid a Christian, sweet Christian. Uh, Some are good soul winners, and they've not let things go to their head. And that leads me to say, dear friend, that the things that we possess should not possess us. That's a great principle that I think every one of us need to latch on to. Things may be possessed but they should not possess us. You say, how do you know that? Well, if you remember in Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So whenever we think about food and shelter and other things that we like to have, Jesus said we could have those things, but we need to put God first. So if you and I will keep things in focus, and I'm talking about every precious possession that we have, our house, our automobile, our business or job, uh, the clothes that we wear, the trinkets that we have, all of those kinds of things. Remember how we got them. Dear friend, uh, we are able to generate wealth. We're able to go to work every day because God's given us health and because that we have been blessed in some way. We've been fortunate, we say. All of those things are not bad, and the fact that we possess them can be a good thing. We simply need not to let them possess us so that we are just investing our life altogether wrapped up in things. Now, when we think about things, Jesus gives us a good illustration here in this 12th chapter of Luke when he talks about the man that we refer to as the rich fool. The Bible tells us in verse 16 and following that there was a man who had ground and it produced well, and he looked around and it was doing so great. He said, what shall I do? I have no room to store the things that my land is producing. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll pull down those little barns. I'll build bigger barns and I'll store everything away. So I've got all this stuff. Now, then he said, and I'll say to my soul, soul, you are doing great. You have much goods laid up for many years. So take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But unfortunately, in the midst of all of that, the next verse says, God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So, dear friend, once again, God is laying out the case very clearly. 
that it's important for us to use the things that he provides in a way that is not lustful, that is not covetousness, that is not just letting things drive us. Verse 21 of that Luke chapter 12 says, So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That is, you can be like the rich fool's twin brother. You really can be a twin to that fool if you just say, man, whatever I can possess, all the treasures I can get, I'm just going to get and get and get and get some more. And when you do that, you too are playing the fool. Now, there's also in this chapter the opposite of this negative illustration when Jesus says in verse 24, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? He's just telling us he wants to work with us. Also in that passage, verse 27, he says, Consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And he just goes on to tell us that all of this is not about uh, the pursuit of things. Now, I should take the time here, and we are about out of time, but let me just say to you, uh, the work ethic is a precious, precious provision for us. You and I have the privilege to roll up our sleeves and go to work every day and do what we can to provide for our family and to have things that we can turn around and give that will be a help and a blessing to others. And when we do that, we are employing the things that God gives us in a way that is really a blessing and a help, and it is good stewardship. And if we really took the time to work through all of this, we'd have to say, the stewardship of things is a part of what God expects of us. In fact, verse 34 in this chapter says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if you and I get our heart right, get our treasure right, they'll work together. But whenever we concentrate on our treasure, we need to see what is it that we treasure so highly. And that tells the story of what's really true in our heart. So we look at this passage. Jesus says, beware of covetousness. Your life is not wrapped up in things. Well, look, it's about to be the weekend, and we look forward to being back here Monday. I trust that you'll join me then. In the meantime, check us out at our website at swordofthelord.com, and do get in touch. I would love to hear from you, and let me know the station on which you hear us. The address is Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, dear friends, God bless you. Thank you for being along today. Have a great weekend, and I'll be right back here Monday. Goodbye for now.